Hi, my name is Rhonda Minga, and I would like to welcome you today to Freedom Ministries in Crossed, Arkansas. I invite you to connect with us online at freedomministriescrossed.com. Now let's take the time to pray before we tune in to today's message. Lord, I lift you up, and I just pray that you draw us by your Spirit. I pray that you show us your Word. You give us great and mighty revelations of who you are and how you want to move in and through us. Lord, be with these people as they tune in now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yes, Lord, we thank you for that, God. We thank you for depositing into us today, Lord God. We thank you that we have the atmosphere to praise you, God, to worship you. Oh, to just sit in your presence, God, to hear from you today, God. Oh, God, that you would put something into our spirits today, God, that we can take home, God. Yes, Lord Jesus, we want to be with you each and every moment of our lives. We want to come to you in the power and the fulfillment, God, in the fulfillment, God. We want to... What you have for us, God, we want to take hold of that today, God. Whether it be finances, God. Whether it be revelation, God. Whether it be healing, God. We want to have what you have for us today, Lord Jesus. We want to come to you, God, with a bowed knee and an open heart and hands lifted high today, God. We want to come to you, Lord Jesus. Yes, God, as you are our King, Lord Jesus. Yes, God, you are the King, and I thank you for it, Jesus. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. So, so this morning we're going to kind of go through a little bit of the, the life of Jesus. And so, when Julie asked me, she texted me and asked me what the, I guess the name of the message would be, and, and I told her, the Via Della Rosa. And so if you're not familiar with what that is, I'll just let you know it's, it's the pathway. That's just a name for the pathway that Jesus walked as he was going to the cross. In Latin, Via Dolorosa means the sorrowful way. And some people call it the way of sorrow. And they've, it's amazing that somebody can just walk a path and then that path needs to be named. But that's just how powerful Jesus was when he was on the earth. He made a lasting impression and that's what he was here for, to make that lasting impression. And he was here to die for you and me on the cross. He had a purpose when he came down and he knew that ahead of time. That's why he asked, can you take this cup from me if if we don't have to do this, is there any other way? But we're just going to look at this for, for a few moments, and it'll take me just a few moments to get to that section. I've got it in my notes, the, the beginning, the middle, and then the end. But the end has several parts. So we'll just go from there. And what I want to do today is kind of relate now, understand when I say this, everybody in, in here in Freedom Ministries is, I'll, I'll say they understand what I mean. They're not going to take it the wrong way. But online, when I tell you I want you to compare your life to Jesus' life, there is no comparison. That's not what I'm trying to say. We can never amount to what Jesus had. 
but we can have Jesus inside of us. But today I want you to look at your life in parallel with Jesus and see, hopefully we'll see why we need Jesus. Hopefully we'll come to that understanding and, and maybe out there in, in Facebook land we'll have a revelation that I need Jesus. And then, then something will change in your life once you realize that, that we can't do anything on our own. So if, if you'll remember way back in all the Christmas plays and at the very beginning when Jesus was fixing to be born, there was a crowd. You know, it kind of drew a crowd. People wanted to come see this person who was going to be king. It was prophesied back in Micah. And uh, I won't read that one, but in Isaiah, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And if you go back and look at that, Counselor is often used a lot in parallel with King. So they were saying that a king is coming, and we knew that because we can read the story, and we can understand a little bit more than probably what they could at the time because, you know, how can they're thinking a king not out of Bethlehem. I don't think so. It's not, it's not going to happen. But the people that followed God, they knew that it had been prophesied, and they knew to believe the prophets. They'd seen the prophets work, and they had seen them do a lot more things than what you and I have seen them do. I mean, times were a lot different back then, and God was working in a mighty way. Now, he still does today, but he, I haven't seen... Anybody build an altar with uh, wood and put fire or put water on it forever and see that thing light up? I have not personally seen that. Now, I've seen prophets do a lot of things and say a lot of things, and I've seen some of those things come to pass. So I do understand to believe the prophets, and I, I do believe them. But this was a different time. These people were traveling. They would see a star, you know, the wise men. They would see a star, and they'd know the prophecy was coming. So they would go to see that king. And they'd be like, there's a king. We've seen the star. We know it's happening. So where is he? We want to worship him. We want to bring gifts to him. And so that's what they did. They rode their camels all across the land and for however many days just to see somebody. So in the very beginning of his life, Jesus was pronounced a king. Before he ever got here, before he ever came to earth, he was pronounced a king. And they knew that that king was going to come this day because the star was there. So they wanted to come see the king. Now, did they think this king was going to, I don't know, have a kingdom and they come live there? I don't think so. Because when they got there, he was in a, a manger. He was just sitting there, you know, a little baby in a manger. His parents didn't have room at the end. So if I was coming for miles and miles because of a great big star, and I was bringing frankincense and things like that, and I came and this little baby was laying in some straw, I would probably keep my gifts. I'd be like, I'm going to wait till the real king comes. I mean, truly, if, if I've got something that's very expensive and I've spent days and days and days, I'm not going to give it to somebody else or somebody that's laying there that cannot do anything for me. Because in my earthly mindset, I'm trying to get a leg up in this world. I'm trying to gain favor. I'm trying to do all this stuff. So when I walk in and I see goats and sheep and all these things and, and then a baby right there, you know, his mother and father can't even get a place in the hotel there, I'm thinking I saw the wrong star. It's got to be something else. 
But the fact is, when Jesus was born, he drew a crowd. And he drew that crowd because he was the king, because he was the son of God, because there's no denying it, no getting around it. That's what he was, and that's what he came here to be, his king. And there's no, there's no taking back your frankincense and myrrh when you know God sent you on a mission. There's no keeping your gold for yourself when God sent you on a mission to get there. You need to go see this baby. He's fixing to do something in this world. We've had people come to this church from out of town because God told them, God's fixed, I'm fixing to do something in Freedom Ministries. I'm fixing to change some lives in Freedom Ministries. So people will pick, pack up their bags and they'll move here. And they'll take hold of what God told them. And they'll hold on to that for, with everything in them. And they'll keep going and keep going and keep going. Because when they come here, they see me up here preaching. And they say, I need to hold on to my gold. I need to hold on to my frankincense. This isn't going to cut it. This is not what I came here for. They told me uh, Pastor Robert was preaching all the time. And I came here for that. But I get up here and I see Pastor Tim up there. And that's not what I signed up for. I'm going to keep my stuff. So no, what draws the crowd is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with Pastor Robert. It has nothing to do with Apostle. All we are is vessels that carry that glory, that carry that atmosphere, that carry that, the witness of Jesus Christ. So when you, when you draw a crowd for a baby, then there's got to be something special about you. And there is. There's something special about each and every person here. And if you remember back when you were born, you can't remember that far back. That was a trick for y'all. If, if, so when your children were born and your grandchildren were born, uh, you announced it. You said, hey, I'm having a baby. And people would see your stomach, and men don't do this, but women would be like, let me touch your belly. Let me rub it. Can you feel him kick? You know, all this stuff. And they were excited. And then all of a sudden they start having wedding showers and people were bringing gifts and things like that. You know, they want to come. You're, you're, there was no star up there, but there was a birth announcement sent out because we need some diapers and we need uh, milk and we need all these things. Uh, so there's an announcement that says, Ernie is coming, Lynetta is coming, Benny is coming. You need to come see him. And then he gets here and everybody's oohing and aahing over over Brother Ernie, I'm sure he was a cute baby. There's no doubt about it in my mind. <laughs> right. And so, so for the first couple years of his life, he couldn't do anything wrong. Every time he used the bathroom, somebody was there to clean it up. Every time he knocked something over the table, it doesn't matter. He's just learning all this stuff. You know, it's almost like he was king and he had servants working for him. Anything he messed up, his servants would come and take care of for those first few years that's how brother Ernie's life was he was pampered but then all of a sudden your friends start to leave you and all these things because it happened to Jesus they left him but it happened so brother Ernie turns two and all of a sudden it's a different outlook and he's got he's in those terrible twos he's doing everything wrong you know, uh, he's, then all of a sudden, Benny gets older, and he's going into puberty, and nothing he does is right. You know, he's making the wrong decisions. He's doing all these things. 
It's just part of growing up. When, because the newness wears off. And I don't know if it wore off of Jesus, but people wasn't coming to see him all the time anymore. Nobody was bringing him gifts in his younger age. No, that was when he was born. You didn't hear anybody when he was 13 bringing him gifts. It's like a mystery. It's like he's in a, just a void right there. And so you like, what's going on? What happens? So this is our, we're in the middle now. So this is our learning stage. This is when we're supposed to be learning from our parents and hopefully learning about God and all these things. This is what we're in. We're in the learning stage. And you're not going to do everything right in your learning stage. You, you know, uh, if you look at, look at Jesus' life, did he do everything right? This is another trick question. Did he do everything right? Well, sure he did. He's the son of God. You know, uh, he's about his father's business. But then all of a sudden, they take that trip to Bethlehem, and then the trip is over. It's time to go home. His parents pack the bags and pack his bags too, I'm guessing, because he's a teenager. Nah, Jesus is right. But they leave, and then he's not with them, so they got to go back. And this is the one of the few things you'll learn about his place in history. And, and we all know this, so I'm talking to the people online too, and the majority of y'all know it. But Jesus stayed behind, and he was in the temple, and he was teaching the scholars and the priests and all these things, and they were amazed. So to them, it probably wasn't anything. Their amazement overcame the fact that they hadn't seen his parents in a couple of days. This little kid just kept showing up to church, and he was not only, he was probably learning too, but he was, the majority of him was teaching all that they had to offer or all that he had to offer. He was telling them things and just giving them revelation and opening up their eyes to things that they had never thought of, they'd never dreamed of. But then his parents come back, and they say, where have you been? You know, what are you doing? We, we've been gone for two or three days, and we were worried about you. And then he says to them, he says, you know, how did you not know that I was about my father's business? And so I'm sure his dad probably like, boy, if you smart off me one more time, because it tells you just a few verses later that his parents did not understand what he was saying. They didn't understand what he means by I'm about my father's business. But it's, it's okay because it wasn't time for us to understand. It wasn't time for them to understand. Now, these are the two people that absolutely knew that he was a gift from God. You know, the other people... They might have heard, I don't know, but they, they can speculate, no, this man and this woman got together and they had a baby. But these are two people that absolutely knew that he was a gift from God and that there was no other way. So, the same way Jesus takes this time, he's subject and he's becoming subject or he is subject to his parents and God is the same way we do when we're teenagers. We're coming and we're learning and we're trying to grasp hope to everything in this great big world. We're trying to grasp hope to everything in the spiritual world. We're trying to just take in as much as we can. That's when we're learning the most. You know, I know when you're young, they say, they say you will absorb more knowledge, but you're still absorbing it when you're young and hopefully throughout your life. 
But this is a time when you're learning and you're subject. And now, now when his parents came back and they talked to him and they, he told them, I was about my father's business. And they either understood or didn't understood. But the Bible says they did not. So, I'm not saying that Jesus got a spanking and I'm not saying that he didn't. It doesn't say anything about that, so we can only speculate. But the reason I said that is because there's times in, in, my, in my childhood where I was doing something and my parents didn't understand and I got a spanking for it. You know, maybe I was wrong in doing it, I don't know. But Jesus wasn't wrong in doing that. But I know that I've gotten spankings for things that I never even did, that my brothers did. But I took that whooping. So I don't know if Jesus got a spanking for something he didn't actually do. He was in the right, but his parents don't understand. So maybe he got in trouble, maybe not. But if the point is, if he did get in trouble, it's because they were still earthly-minded in that way. It's no fault of their own. They're just trying to raise a kid. It's, it's hard to imagine. I don't even think I could imagine have, being the parent of Jesus when everything your kid does is perfect and right and, you know, you see all these other kids, they're rolling around in the mud, they're playing in the dirt, they're building forts, and your kid is at this church teaching the priests and the scholars. I can't imagine that. I love my kids to death, but they weren't up here teaching uh, their granny anything. They were learning. And I was the same way, but I wasn't learning nothing in church because I wasn't going. But everything Jesus did was right. But you and me, everything we do is not right. So we have to become subject to people. We have to become subject to our parents, to our bosses, to our teachers, to the school bus driver, to all these things. It's... Let me get alrighty. So there's not a lot to be said about the uh, the middle years of Jesus. So we're just gonna. And are you seeing how you can parallel your life with Jesus's life? I hope so, because that's my whole point of this. But now we're gonna go to the end. And like I said, the end is where I want to focus at. And I've got a lot of sections to the end. But the first part we're going to start in is the betrayal. And when I talk about that, everybody knows, you know, uh, that Judas betrayed Jesus, and then they came to get him, and they took him away. And then that's when he starts all the trials and uh, the beatings, the crucifixion, and all these things. So, and the betrayal, immediately after his capture, if you'll think about it, when, when they captured Jesus, when they came, and I say captured, there was nothing to capture. He was there. He didn't run. He didn't do anything because he knew what he was there for. He didn't put up a fight. Peter did, but Jesus didn't. So, they came to get Jesus, and he says, I sat there with you in the temple every day, and y'all didn't do anything. Why are you going to come at me like this now? But regardless of the reasoning, they took him away. Now, 
four in John, four verses later is when Peter starts denying Jesus. Now, a lot of things in the Bible aren't in chronological order, so there may have been a lot of time and a lot of things. But this is just four verses. They came to get Jesus in the night, and just four verses later, in chronological order, he was denying him. This was one of his best friends. Somebody had been with him through thick and thin. They'd seen him do miracles. They'd seen him sleep like a normal person. Then they'd seen him get up and feed multitudes. And then they'd seen him go to sleep like a normal person. And they'd seen all these things. Hey, I need time to myself, y'all. are Not that y'all are bothering me, but I'm going to go up here and pray. He, they've seen all these things. Everything that Jesus did while they was teaching, they just observed and they absorbed that knowledge. And that's what they were there for because he was there to teach them to have disciples. But just four little verses later, Peter's saying, I don't know this guy. I wasn't with him. And he wasn't saying that because he was shamed. He was saying it because he was scared. He was not ashamed of Jesus. If he could have, I don't know. But we know. Then, then you move into the, uh, the trial. And he gets there, and he's at the trial. And there's all these people. Because again, Jesus draws a crowd. Remember that. Jesus draws a crowd. So you're at this trial. And the crowd is gathered, but they're not gathered there for the same reason. They're gathered there for a whole other reason. They're not worshiping, worshiping him. They're not praising him. They're there to persecute him. They're there to scream, let's hang Jesus. Let's crucify him. Let's beat him. Let's do all these things. But there's a crowd there, the same crowd that gathered when he was a baby in the manger. Not the same people, but the same crowd. Humans, you and me, everybody. If Peter didn't have the courage to stand up for Jesus, I'm not going to say that I would either. Because as much as I love Jesus and the Spirit in me, when it comes down to my life, I would like to say yes you know, we all talk about the end times. I'm not going to take that mark. I don't want to have to have that option. I want him to come by me and say, he's not going to take it and just cut my head off. Because I, I'm going to have, I have the Holy Spirit in me. So I'm going to have the glow. I'm going to be marked by God, and they're going to know automatically that I'm not going to take that mark. But I don't want to have to come out and make that choice because I don't know what I would do. Because my life is important to me. But Jesus Christ died for me because my life is important to Him. And so I don't want to say that I'm any better than Peter. And I don't want to say that I could do any better than he did in that moment. I don't want to say that I'm better than Mary and, and Martha or any of them or anybody else. Because his own mother was there at the crucifixion. She was there at all this stuff. And they asked, they asked the crowd, hey, what do we want to do with this guy? Do we want to keep him? Do we want to save him? Do you want to have him set free? And the crowd chanted, crucify him. Let him be crucified. And so, so I'm thinking Peter was there just a little bit before in just a small crowd, and he didn't stick up for Jesus then. 
So why do I expect him to speak up in this big, large crowd with masses of people? I'm, I'm sure there was hundreds of people there saying, crucify him, crucify him. And you'd never hear anybody say anything about that. Let him free, let him free. No, but I'm going to tell you, if somebody wants to be heard, they can be heard. If there was somebody there saying, free Jesus, they would have been heard. If I cared that much about Jesus, my friend, the guy that I'd been with, the guy that I've walked through many countries with through this three, three years or 33 years or however long they was with him, if I was with him and I cared that much for him, whenever the crowd quit cheering crucify him and Herod or Pilate would speak or whoever, then I would speak then. I'd be like, leave my friend alone. That's Jesus. I love him and you can't have him. I'll take his place on the cross. They didn't say none of that because the crowd would have heard him then. They would have heard me if I had said it because I was down there with the crowd. The other guys, they're up in their little boxes up there. So I'm assuming nobody wanted to take his place at that beating. I'm assuming they all realized they came to get him with swords drawn. They weren't there to play any games. They were there to take Jesus into custody. And, and we, they all knew that there had been people out looking for Jesus. Jesus knew people were coming for him. He kept telling them, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. I'm going to go away. But the crowd was there. And if you remember, he's King Jesus. And he always has been from the time he was born until the time he died. And so in this little bit, he was still king. And they were recognizing him as a king. That's the thing. But he went from a king that everybody loved and adored to the king that people wanted to crucify. He was still king. They were still recognizing him as a king. If you remember, when uh, he wrote that, he said, king of the Jews. And then the priests and stuff said, no, let it say Jesus says he's king of the Jews. They weren't going to give him the credit. And then he says, I've written what I've written, or I've said what I said, whatever. He was not taking that kingdom or king kingship. He was not taking that kingship away from him. He's, this is set in stone. He is a king. Not, not just saying he's king. He's king. And we're fixing to crucify him. And that's when he tells them, this blood's not on my hands. He washes his hands and all that stuff. Jesus is king, but he's not heralded anymore. The crowd is still there, but they're not there cheering him on. They're, they're there cheering, but it's not for his safety. It's not for his life. So then, then we get to the part, after they beat him and everything. Let me see where I'm at. I think I'm... So, now we're at the path. We're at the Via Dolorosa. And I'm, I don't know that I'm saying it right. It's all O's, Dolorosa. So, it's the pathway of sorrow. So, they, they have already beaten Jesus. Or they're, they're, whichever side of the story you're on, 
he has been beaten. He's been mocked, and he's been done all these things. Let me go back just a little bit. Before he started up the path, he's been mocked. He's sitting there, and they... I told you how they declared him king and everything, and they made sure that you knew he was king. They put a sign up there, and the, the guards and stuff, they mocked him. They put a crown of thorns, and they put it on his head. And not only did they put it on his head, you know, um, we all see the movies, and they probably squeezed it on there a little bit. Then they took a rod or a reed or whatever you want to call it, a cane, and they was hitting it, hitting him on the head with it. They were pulling his beard, doing all these things. This is all before the crucifixion. They were doing all these things to him. They were spitting on him. And they, the guards even kneeled down and mocked him and said, "This is your king of G- uh, you're the king of the Jews." They were mocking him. They were making fun of him. And he was having to sit there through all this stuff. And it's the same way with your friends. Your friends thinking, "Oh, you know, Tim, he did all this, but he's not really all that. He's in trouble with the principal now. He's going down on his own." That's the same thing that's going to happen in our lives. Is our friends going to? leave us and that's where we want to go today I want you to realize that even though we're on this walk and we've got best friends in the end your friends will not be there for you they will not be there for you as much as I love my my wife and when her time comes or when my time comes we're not going to be up there and I'm not going to be able to say well Angie did all this stuff uh, she's not going to be able to take up for me well he did that but he really meant to do good by that it's not going to happen. My friends, they know, even if your friends don't leave you, they won't be there for you in the end. It's impossible. They can't. It's not, not that they don't want to. Peter wanted to save Jesus, but he wasn't able to. And your friends are going to be the same way. They're not going to be able to be there for you. As bad as you want them to, as much as you have done for this friend and you can help them out in this world, they're not going to be there for you in the end. And it's not because sometimes it's because they don't want to. But other times it's going to be because they're not able. And there's, there's a lot to be said in that, and I'm not going to say a lot about it. But just know that your friends are not going to be there. The only, pers- the only way you've got a chance is if you get the Holy Spirit inside you. If you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's the only way. So I, I've got this at the end of my notes, but I'm going to say it now. If I was to testify for Pastor Robert, it'd be like a uh, like he's a murderer and I'm a liar. I, what good is it to do if I'm a liar and you know it for me to come up and stand for this guy right here? It doesn't do any good because you're not going to believe me. You're not going to take my word for it. You're still going to condemn him and probably more so because he hangs around with me. It's It's your friend's will leave you the same way Jesus' friends left him. So now we're on this walk. We're on the Via Della Rosa. We're on the pathway of sorrows. He's been beaten. He's been scourged. He's been all these things. And so he's going to walk up to the... They make him take his own cross and walk up the hill to the Galgotha Hill. They make him walk up that, carrying a cross. Now we also know at the beginning that they called Simon out. Somebody, they didn't call him. Somebody grabbed Simon and said, help him carry this cross or carry this cross for him. And so he carries it. Now, I don't know how far he carries it or did he carry it the whole way or did Jesus, you know, I don't know any of that. But I can tell you that he helped. And so in that, 
You and I are on this walk too, on this earth. We're trying to get up that hill. We're trying to make it to Jesus. We're trying to make it to the end of our lives and doing the best we can. And I can't do it without a helper. I can't do it unless Jesus sends somebody and God sends somebody to help me. There's no way that I can carry this cross on my own. So God sent somebody just like they got somebody to help Jesus carry that cross. God sent somebody to help you get up that hill, to get through your life. When your friends will leave you, there's somebody that will never leave or forsake you. It's the Holy Spirit. And when you come into the full knowledge of that, you'll get through this life a lot easier. And it still won't be easy, but you'll know you can make it. And so Jesus, he started on this walk. He was going up the hill. And all the time you're looking out there and you're seeing people in the crowd and you're thinking, these people are not for me. They're just sitting there and they're crucifying. You need to die. You're no good. You're a false king. You never was. You were all this and that. And look at you now. You're, you're bleeding. You're walking up an aisle. And he sees those people just screaming at him, screaming at him, die, die, die. And then he also looks out. And I'm sure he's, he might see Mary out there. And she's probably crying weeping he's probably sees peter out there he's probably crying and weeping but they're not jumping in to help him carry the cross nobody there on that path was there to help jesus nobody not his friends not his enemy nobody was there to help jesus nobody do you know why because nobody could help jesus it was his it was his birthright. This is what he was put on earth to do, to come, to die on that cross for me and for you. And if you think about that, and you think about all the implications in it, then you'll understand why Jesus walked that path. If somebody's fixing to kill me, I'm not going to help them. I'm not going to walk over there. And, you know, you see them in the old westerns, they like dig your grave, you know, dig, dig a hole. I'm not going to dig that hole. I'm not going to help you kill me because I know that I'm just going to die. All right, But Jesus knew something a little bit more. He knew he had to get to that cross and he knew he had to be crucified because he knew his calling in his life. He sweat drops of blood praying over this calling and he knew he, and he still went through with it. Now, now he's walking up the hill. And all these people are doing this. And he's, the reason he keeps walking up that hill after being beaten and carrying this big heavy cross on his back, the reason he keeps going up there is because when he looks out in that crowd, he sees you and he sees me. And he sees our need for a Savior, for a Redeemer. So that's what carries him through. He's got that burden to save us, to be our Savior. And that's why he is our King today, because he's a Savior and he can save us. A king. Do y'all remember Barabbas? He was a sinner. And he was set free. He wasn't set by, free by a king. He was set free by somebody in power. But he was a sinner and he was set free. But the only difference in him and us is he wasn't set free from his sin. He was just set free from his crime, from the prison. But he still had the sin in him. He was still Barabbas. He was still going to go out and probably do the same old thing he used to do because that's who he was. But now Jesus can die and we can be set free. Our king can set us free, but not just from our prisons. He can set us free in the spirit that we can have eternal life and everlasting life. 
and we can be set free by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and nobody can take that away from you. You can be free and you can stay free and you can live free and you can get other people to accept Jesus and be free. And that's why he kept going up on the, on the pathway. And then on top of all the people that he was seeing in the crowd, all the people that he was hurting for and longing for them to see his father. He was going to prepare a place. He tells you here in a little bit, I'm going to go prepare a place. But in that same time, he's fighting that battle. I'm sure his legs were tired. You know, after you, you ladies probably never have been, but the guys, when you get in a fight, your adrenaline is going. And then that fight is over. You're just kind of weak and you're shaking and you're ready to lay down. You're ready to stop. You're ready to take it easy. But in that time, Jesus keeps on going. Now, He's still in the fight, so he's still got that adrenaline. But how long is that adrenaline going to last? It's not like some of the movies today. It doesn't last two hours. You're going to get tired. You're going to naturally give out. And that's his physical battle. But the same way you and I do, Jesus had a spiritual battle. Because if you remember, through his life, the devil did not want Jesus to succeed either. You know, he came and he tempted him up there on the mountain trying to get him to stop. He tried to play nice. He tried to say, hey, I'll give you this, I'll give you that. You know, they had a, a conversation. They just sat there and talked about it. And that didn't work. So the devil had to try something different. He said, I'll get you crucified. I'm going to get you hung up there on the cross. And even though... The devil wanted Jesus to be crucified just as much as all the people in the crowd, even more so. He wasn't going to let him go easy. He's going to sit there. The whole time Jesus is walking up there, all those demons and Satan himself was probably there spitting on him, doing all the same things, saying, die, die, die. All the same things that the people in the crowd was. So at the same time Jesus was fighting physical battles, he was fighting spiritual battles. And he was still taking every step he could because he was looking at the demons thinking, you're fixing to die, you're fixing to go to your place. He was looking at me and Pastor Dan and saying, y'all are fixing to die and y'all fixing to go to y'all's place. But they're two separate places because if you believe in me, you will... You will have everlasting life. But I'm going to fight this battle no matter whether it's in the physical or whether it's in the spiritual. I'm going to fight this battle and I'm going to fight it for you. I'm fighting in the physical and I'm fighting in the natural for you. Nobody else. But at the same time, everybody else. I'm fighting for you. Jesus is fighting for you. And so he's going to make it to the top of that cross, to the top of the hill. And so he gets put up there. I, I forgot some stuff, but it's all right. <clears throat> forgot a lot of stuff, but it's okay. So he gets up there to the cross. And the battle's not over. Because then they've still got a nail in there. But the big thing I want you to see is on your pathway. You and I are on a pathway, and this is why... I titled the message there. I'm going back just a little bit. This is why I titled it that. Because you and I are on that same path. Not, not the Via Della Rosa. But we're on our pathway through life. And our friends are going to be there. You'll get new friends along the way. And some friends will leave you. But you're going to be fighting a physical battle and a spiritual battle. And you need somebody to help you carry that cross. I don't, I don't think you can do it on your own. I don't think you want to do it on your own. Trust me, if you're, 
If you're out there and you're doing it on your own, try to get somebody to help you. And let that somebody lead you to God. Don't let it, don't let it be your neighbor because they're only going to help you for so long. I want you to cry out to God today. That's what it's all about. To realize who the king is and what the king came to do and who he came to do it for. We're out, we're out there in the world and we're just living. We're struggling. We're surviving. We're making it from time to time. But Jesus was out there in the world and he had a purpose the whole time. He was not struggling. He made it up the hill. I don't think he struggled. It may have been what we would consider a struggle, but he made it. But I don't think, I don't necessarily think he considered a struggle. And the reason I say that, because the devil had done came and tried to take him out numerous times. He came and they had that conversation. Uh, I'm sure that wasn't the only time the devil was spitting at him, cussing him, and trying to hold him back. But Jesus prevailed each and every time. And the reason I say it's not a struggle is because if, if uh, Benny comes and tries to beat me up every day for three years and he loses every time, when he comes back, I'm thinking, this is no struggle. I can handle Benny. So Jesus had handled the devil for 33 years, and he wasn't going to lose on the last day. I can promise you that. Because when you know you're in the final round and you just got to make it three more minutes, you can do anything. People say, I can fight a bear for that long. So there was, that's why I say I don't think it was that big of a struggle. Now, understandably, I know it is. But Jesus knew he was fixing to win. He knew what he's going there for. So there was, there was no doubt in his mind. So, so the thing is, in our lives, we're going through this. The only thing, the one sure thing, not the only thing, because I can count on Pastor Robert, and I can count on Julie, I can count on Brother Bob, I can count on all these people in here. But if, if Benny comes at me, I don't want Pastor Robert to have to beat Benny up. I don't want Brother Bob to get into any kind of scuffle. I want the Holy Spirit to fight my battles. I want Jesus to be on my side. As good friends as every one of y'all are, I've got a friend that is more to me than anything else on this earth. And that's where I want everybody to be today. And so I'm sure in, inside here everybody's saved, but if you're not, you are still got to live your life. And so if you're, if you're unsure about your friends, you're unsure about how you're going to make it through this world, if you're unsure how you're going to make it through this day, I just want you to come on down to the front. And, and I'm going to do something. I'm going to get Evangelist Monica to pray for people today and Pastor Robert. And I'm going to be up here and I'm going to pray at the same time. But, but this is an altar call for salvation. And that's what, it's not only an altar call for salvation. You know, but I want you to come for that. But if you're just, trying to get through this life and you're not sure how the next thing is going to happen if you're looking Andy was looking for a job till just the other day and he wasn't sure how this job was going to come about so if you're feeling that struggle come on because Jesus has a way to keep you out of the struggle he's got a way to just kind of soothe everything put everything soothing to you where your soul just can be at rest it can be at peace 
And He can do that for you. And I encourage you, if you don't know Him today, just come on and be at peace with, with Jesus. Because I can't give you that peace. I may can give you a roof over your head. I may can give you a, a, a ride to school or something like that. I may can give you 20 bucks or something like that. But I can't give you the peace that's going to surpass all understanding. I can't just come in and make everything better in your whole life and you'll never have any worries again. I cannot do that. But Jesus can. And He has for me, and He has for Pastor Dana, and He has for Pastor Robert, He has for Pastor Monica, He has for Bob and Sue, uh, for Ernie and Lynetta, He has for Elder Eloise. He's came into our lives and He's made us whole. He's made us complete. He's given us something to long for. He's given us a, a helpmate in this world. And His name is the Holy Spirit. And when we get into those times and we just come and we can't make it through, who do we call on? We call on Jesus. We call on the Godhead, the three in one, the Trinity. God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. We come into the into the our trials, knowing who we can call on. And I want you to have that same love and same knowing in your heart that you can call on somebody. Somebody that has made it up that path. Somebody that's walked it for you and me. And He didn't just walk it. He made it with His head held high. He went up onto the cross knowing what was fixing to happen. And everybody else thought He was going to die. But He knew He was going to live for eternity from that moment on. And I want that in my life. I want that in my life where nobody can take that away from me. Where I know that I can live eternity for every day here and forward and after I pass away. I know that I've got somebody that will testify for me. That will look at my heart and say, Tim Hogan was good. Oh, yeah. I want somebody to look and say, oh, I know Rhonda Minga is good and perfect and she loves me with all her heart and I'm going to vouch for her. I'm going to take it to this world. I'm going to take it to my Father. I'm going to, I'm going to petition Him for you in, in your name so that you can come into the kingdom of God because I went that day and I prepared a place up in heaven for you to come and I want you to come have part of what you deserve, what, is long, what you've longed for all your life, for the streets made of gold. I want you to be able to see those. I want you to witness them. I want you to take your shoes off and, and just walk on these streets made of gold. I want you to see what gold feels like beneath your feet because for this whole earth, the whole time, I think this gold ring on my finger means so much to me. And it does. It means a life of eternity with my wife. And, and I love that. But gold on my feet means I'm always standing up. I'm always going to see God. Nothing. I won't fall through that floor. It's not going to cave in on me. Nothing below my feet is going to cave in on me. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yes, God, we come to you today, God. We ask that you come into our hearts, Lord Jesus. God, I know that you went to the cross and you died for me, Lord Jesus. That you died for me that I could be free from sin, God. Oh, that I could have everlasting life, God. Oh, that I would understand who you are and what you mean to me, God. That I would know that you came to this earth, God, and you lived a life of holiness, God, without sin. That you lived a life on earth that was just how can it be meager, meek and wonderful at the same time? But that's what you did. You lived an ordinary life that people see every day. But God, at the same time, you were king through the whole time. And you drew the crowds. And you draw on me the same way, Jesus. I come to you, Jesus. I want to see you. I want to see your face. I want to have the Holy Spirit down inside of me.
I want to have a comforter that can be with me when I'm walking. I'm going through these struggles, God. I want to have the Holy Spirit in me, God. Oh, that can guide and direct me in my footsteps, God. In my jobs, Lord Jesus. He can tell me where to move and when to move and how to move and not to move, God. I want the Holy Spirit to come into my life and teach me how to deal with my kids, Lord. To teach me how to deal with my friends, God. Oh, when they come to me and and need advice, God, I want a Holy Spirit that can direct me in that advice, God, where you would speak through me, God, where it's not me, but it's you speaking to my friends. And you put them on that right path. I want that inside of me, God. I want that glow about me, Lord Jesus. Yes, God. I want them to see me as a different person than I used to be, God. I want them to see me as somebody that can offer them something. And God, when I offer it, it's going to be you. It's not going to be me. It's not going to be the $20 I have in my pocket. I'm going to offer somebody you. A a hope. And a future. For Jesus is the truth, the life, and the way. We can't get there any other way except through Jesus. If you haven't seen Jesus today, if you haven't recognized Him as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you to do that. Evangelist Monica was up here with a tambourine today and I see remnants. I see remnants on the floor of her worship, of her praise. So I, I know I've been doing enough prayers in this building that I can tell you that there's remnants in these altars. There's a lot of tears in these altars. There's a lot of hurts that have been let out in these altars. There's a lot of breakthroughs that have been in these altars and I can see the remnants of them today in the faces of the people that are here. I can see the remnants of the altars in, on Facebook when I see the people that have come through this church and they've cried out at the altars. I can see the remnants in the people. And it's not remnants of Freedom Ministries, but it's remnants of Jesus. I can see the Jesus in their eyes. I can see the Jesus in their hearts. I can see when somebody says, I need prayers, my son is hurting. I see the remnants of these altars in that Facebook post when everybody says, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. I see the remnants of Jesus. I see that. I see the remnants. I see the the tears and the been pulled they've been shed at these altars. I've been at the altars and I've seen heartbreak. If you've ever been to prayer enough, you'll see somebody they'll just break down because they're going through so much. But I'll say 99.9% of the times when they get up from the altars, they're better. Sometimes it may take two or three days is why I say 0.9. But if they keep crying out, their life gets better. They get an understanding. The situation may not change. The situation may not change, but their life gets better because they've got a knowing. They've got an understanding of why they're going through it. They've got an understanding of how to come out of it from then on. They've got an understanding of how to get that situation resolved in their life. 
It doesn't have to change that day. But one thing that can change that day is your salvation. You can go home today knowing that you're saved by the blood of the Lamb, that you're going to live for eternity with Jesus Christ. You can have that today in this moment at these altars. At home, you can have that in this moment. You can go home. You can be at home. You are at home. You can be at home and just cry out to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. But I need to be saved. And I know that there's nobody outside this house that can save me, God. The only person that can save me is Jesus. And I'm crying out to you today, Jesus, save me from my sins. I don't want to be a sinner. I don't want to live that life. But I want to live in eternity with you, God. So if you would have me, Jesus, I give myself to you. And Jesus is going to say, come to me, child, for I love you. And you can be with me in heaven. Come to paradise. Come to paradise. I love you. I want you to be in the kingdom with the rest of these people. With the rest of Freedom Ministries. I want you to be in kingdom with Freedom Ministries. And I want you to take that kingdom to heaven and live with it for eternity. Because God came to this earth as a king. Jesus came to this earth as a king. And they saw the star. And when He died as a king, the the heavens were rent. You know, the earth shook. Because the king had died and there will never be another king like that. There can never be another king like that. There should never, there is not a need for another king like that. Because he came and he died on the cross for every need that's out there. Every need that I have. Every need that you have. He came and he died for that. So that your needs would be met. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. That's why it doesn't matter. If I preach the message and they pray for you, it doesn't matter because we serve the same God. We've got, this, we're, we've got the same Holy Spirit inside of us. Now, I may sound like a boy and she may sound like a girl, but it doesn't matter. It's the Holy Spirit living with, inside of us. That's what we're trying to impart into you today. We're trying to impart the Holy Spirit into you today. Salvation. We're trying to get you to see that on your life, there's somebody that you can depend on. There's one person that you can depend on, that we want you to depend on, that can make it all better, no matter the situation. Sometimes on earth I need somebody that's strong to help me out. Somebody, sometimes I need somebody that can think through a situation, through a problem. They don't have to be strong at all. Sometimes I need somebody that can bake some bread to help me out. But through all that, I still need Jesus. That's why I pray over my food. That's why Chris prayed for his friend. And he got a friend. Because in every situation, if I pray to God, if I pray to Jesus, if I listen to my Holy Spirit, then I'm taken care of. I'm taken care of in every situation through my trials, through my happiness. Yes, God. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your spirit here today, God. I thank you that you had a mighty move in the prayer today, God. Oh, Lord Jesus, when I came in, they were well into the prayer and I could feel the spirit here I could just feel it and I thank you for that presence God 
I thank you that it never leaves us, God. I thank you that all we have to do is lift our voice and you're there, Lord Jesus. I thank you that all we have to do is just meditate on your word and you're there, Lord Jesus. I thank you that all I've got to do is wake up in the morning and you're there, Lord Jesus. But God, I thank you for Freedom Ministries. I thank you for all that you've done in this, God. And I thank you that I still, I'm not ashamed of Freedom Ministries. If somebody says something, the same with Jesus. If somebody says something about Jesus, I can say I love him. Somebody says something about Freedom Ministries, I can say that I love it. I love the people. I love the building. I love the parking lot. I love the rocks. I love the little frogs that live out in the ditch. I love Freedom Ministries. And I love Jesus. And I love each of y'all. And I thank you, Jesus, for being in this house today. I thank you for the lives that you've changed today, God. And I just ask that you go with us through the rest of the week, Lord Jesus. And I ask that you just bring it in our hearts, God, that we can change more lives throughout the week, Lord God. I thank you that you're with us today, God, and that you made it up that hill, God, that you took the beatings, God, that you took the, the nails through the hands, Lord Jesus. I thank you that you took it for us, God. And I just ask that you give us peace throughout the week, God. Give us understanding to make it through, God. And I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for the piano players today, God. I thank you for the musicians, God. I thank you for this building, Lord Jesus. But Jesus, most of all, I thank you for my salvation. And I thank you for my friends here today, God. And I thank you that they won't leave me, God. But I thank you that you will never leave me for eternity, Lord Jesus. And I love you and I praise your wonderful name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for tuning in with us. If this word ministered to you, please consider sowing a seed to Freedom Ministries at freedomministriescrossit.com. We have made it available to you on the giving page. Thank you again. Go and be blessed in Jesus' name.